Uh, but with that being said, and with that being said, and with that being said, and with that being said, I'm really thankful I, I got that chance to go play at K State. With that being said, with that being said, thank you all. With that being said, I am a. <laughs> now. With that being said. Hey guys, welcome to our Five is One podcast. And with that being said, I want to thank all you guys for listening and appreciate all the subscriptions, everybody liking the podcast, uh, going on the website, liking it, uh, passing it along, and uh, listening to us, whether it be uh, the live podcast on YouTube on video or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, we appreciate the support. And uh, we've got the main man back uh, in action, um, Gerald Foster. And he, it must be laundry day. We were just talking about it. He was, uh, he had nothing else to wear today. And so he ended up rocking the uh, XFL championship t-shirt today. You see, I, I just try my hardest to support you and you can't even give me that. I, I took this out, you know, out of the, the framed uh, box that I had. And I was like, you know, let me take this out just for one day. I'll wear it so Jaime can feel like, you know, uh, he at least has one person in his corner. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, <laughs> it looks like there's some dog food or some dog spit or something else on there. I appreciate you, you know, cleaning up the act a little bit. Yeah. And it looked the best, man. Appreciate that. The washer was full. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> wash it that quick. That's on me. Beautiful. <laughs> but uh, uh, the people... <laughs> We got we got one of my coaches, uh, Coach Kavanaugh, Mike Kavanaugh, the guy that, uh, you know, I don't know if he taught me more than he cursed at me or fed me more than he uh, he had me on the field. All those things. I I was just excited to be able to 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 be at a program with such a a unique character, somebody that understands the old line, somebody that that um, not only. He, he helped me out on the field, but off the field made me a better man. Uh, Mike Cavanaugh, here he is. Well, with that being said, I had a bunch of fun there with you, Gerald, and uh, had a pleasure coaching and working with you, and we had a lot of great times besides all the football, obviously. I uh, had a great group of guys there when I was at Nebraska, and I'm excited to be here with you and Jaime. Hey, this is pretty cool. This show has a lot of different tie-ins. This is going to – show you the, the tangled web of coaching, of college football, and the backgrounds. I coached Gerald in the XFL. Kev, you've got, what, 35 years of coaching experience. You coached Gerald at Nebraska. That's right. And you and I have known each other. We've talked shop. we got a, a lot of respect for each other, being O-line coaches. And Kev is now coaching at University of Oregon with our other guest, uh, Alik Terry, who's the offensive line coach at Oregon, and I recruited Alik to Wake Forest. I tried to recruit Gerald. I couldn't get Gerald. Kev, Kev inherited uh, Foster over at uh, at the Huskers. I recruited Alik. Unfortunately, I never got to coach him. Uh, there was a coaching change. Mm-hmm. He ended up committing, going to Wake. Alik, what, you were a four-year player at, at Wake, played as a freshman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, okay. That boy's yep. a dog. <laughs> Three-year three player. Uh, I didn't play my last year. I got medically disqualified, but I literally went to Wake because of Coach Hines. Like, I, I remember coming up to camp, inviting me to camp. I remember, like, the 1st of June, 
ran the slowest 40 in the world. I'm like, oh, man, I might not get offered. Then we did one-on-ones. Like, okay, now we're back in business. There and it is. See, it's all about playing ball, that, not, not about doing the combine stuff. So, Alik, Alik's from Miami, right? Went to Hialeah High School. Um, was a great player there. For, uh, played at Wake. And then what you continued your first kind of coaching job, you rolled right into from playing medically disqualified and did a little bit of time coaching at Wake. And then and then you went to Oregon for your first experience, GA there, mm-hmm. uh, went to Hawaii, followed in Cavs footsteps over on the yeah. islands over there. So we'll get into some of the some of the island stories. And then uh, what I thought was pretty cool is you spent a few years coaching in the NFL on the defensive side with the Vikings. And then now uh, back to Oregon as the O-line coach. So, Alik, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, appreciate y'all having me. Blessed to be here, especially with all these O-line goats that's on this right now. It's, <laughs> it's great to see that five is one shirt on you, too, because I don't. I still have my five is one shirt with a black and gold on it. I still hey. got it at the house. It's a little tore up because I turned it into a lifting shirt. But to see that logo, man, that mean everything to me, man, for real. It, is it is it a little – is it fit the same or are things kind of changed on the body since, since the playing days? After uh, leaving Hawaii, it's back fitting again. Trust me. All the rice <laughs> I, I had on that island. I've heard nothing but Hawaii just adds that weight, man. I, man. <laughs> every person that said they've gone to Hawaii, they said the exact same thing, which is hilarious. Every meal is, has three scoops of white rice with it, so you, your carbohydrate <laughs> intake is going to be through the, through the roof every time. Yeah. Hey, Jaime, though, I, I have to tell you that I've seen a leak run. And he's impressive, in my opinion. That's your opinion. <laughs> you running is come on now. Is that the standard? Hey, I got your back. I see him run. He can go. Appreciate you, Cabinator. Appreciate you, Cabinator. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just, just try, to, try to keep up with these these young guys. But after about four or five reps, I just yeah, slow it down, hang it up. Now, Alik, are you the type of coach like, all right, you're gonna like bolt out in the first period and like set the stage? And then take about another 15 plays off before you go sprinting sideline to sideline. Or is, nah. it, is it all juice all the time? You running? All, I, try all to, I try to be consistent as ever. For real. I try to like do it literally from start to finish. The biggest thing I hated, even when I was a, a little kid all the way up to college, it was like when a coach was screaming at me, but he wasn't doing the running. It's like, all right, you do some of this running too. And then all oh, you can say whatever you want to me. So I try to like keep that mentality. It's like if my old self is keeping up with you, I can tell you, you need to pick it up. So you, hear so that, you, had to, you had to step away from some of those plate lunches from uh, from being on the islands, I bet. <laughs> no, they were still getting eaten. Crushing <laughs> it, crushing oh, it. Kev, I'm sure you got some good stories of coaching on the uh, on the island. You spent what? How many years you were over in Hawaii for six years, six years over there? I like wow. to tell people, Gerald, appreciate this. I went there at 210. I left at 250. <laughs> I always tell people I found my people. Everybody loved to drink beer and eat. I was like, what gets better than this? He brought that straight to Nebraska. <laughs> he brought it straight to Nebraska. It was like every single time we'd do anything, he's like, all right, boys, we got some beers. We got some food. We're about to get this going. I loved it. I mean, he, he won us over about as quick as anybody could. That was perfect. And that tradition is still going on strong. <laughs> as it should. <laughs> as it should. <laughs> Don't change greatness, Cav. Be who you are. What? You've got 35 years of coaching, 15 years in a power five. I mean, you've been coast to coast all over. What? Hawaii, Oregon State. Spent a couple of years with Gerald at Nebraska, Syracuse, ASU, yep. and now Oregon. Man, you've been 
You've been all over. Pretty much coast to coast. Yeah. You know, guy, that guy that grew up in Connecticut never imagined in my life that I would be uh, out at University of Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And my mom was a huge Don Ho fan. You know, I drank beers with him at his bar and shit. It was awesome. And then, uh, you know, obviously going back out to Syracuse, closer to home. Um, but I was itching to get back west and, uh, you know, went to Arizona State for two years, the last two years. Now I'm happy as hell to be at Oregon with a leak and, and uh, Coach Lanning. And we got a great young coach in Carter Leftwich. So we're having a blast and uh, a lot of passion. And then you can't forget that stop in Nebraska where I met that good-looking rascal right there, <laughs> big Gerald Foster, and a great family. I love his mom and dad. And I can't forget his brother Trey either. He was. A you can forget actor. Trey. You can forget. You, you, <laughs> you hit all the things right, man. You just had to throw Trey in at the end. It's all good. <laughs> oh man, I told him. Um, <clears throat> I told my mom just a couple of days ago. I was like, "Oh, I'm about to get on a podcast with Cav." She was like, "Oh, tell him hi for me. Tell him hi. <laughs> Love their family." Your dad probably said you're gonna have to beep out half of it, <laughs> like always. <laughs> Hey, we had a couple of your other former players on. We did the podcast maybe a couple months ago, Gerald. We had a few of your what teammates, Nick Gates and Cole Conrad. Cole Conrad. We had a couple of his uh, couple of his crew. I'm sure they had some stories. Of course, <laughs> and you know half of them were about you, as always, and, and all true, and all true. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, Gerald, man. I'd like you to know this: I've mellowed with my age. I don't believe any of that. When Tavito Thompson was with us, and he would he would say to me when I got to Nebraska, man, Cav, you get freaking soft. I go, different day and age today. The things I used to do, I'd be like fired and thrown in jail. So <laughs> can't do that. Right, Jaime? That's it. You got to change your ways. The game changes. Change. Oh. Hey, Cav, uh, question about this NIL. So – You've been able to be um, all over the place. You've been able to see just the way college football has uh, progressed in all these years. NIL, what do you feel about it? Is, it? is it something that's working in the right path for the college football world, or is it just kind of turned into a, a mess of its own thing, you know? Well, you know, just to back up, I, I think it's great for the kids, you know what I mean? Um, you look at college football, big business, a lot of other people were making money off of it. So, you know, kids getting a chance to make some money, I think, is a great thing. You know what I mean? Um, every place is different with it. You know, uh, I think we do a great job with the NIL at Oregon. And uh, we got, you know, uh, it starts up top with Phil Knight and he put together a hell of a team. And that's uh, I think the way we do it is is exactly the way it should be done. And uh but it's exciting to kind of learn about. So and it's kind of new for me as well. So, you know, but uh, I think it's great for the players, and that's my, my take. A leak probably knows a lot more about it. So it'd be a great question for him to answer. I was about to say, a leak, we're, we're like the about the same age. So we, we were the – we just didn't get it, 
you know, and now all these young guys, they're balling out, doing their NILs. I saw I was back at home. <clears throat> I see a young guy. He's got a Rolex on. I was like, what is going on? I was like, I, I was barely making it for me to be able to get food. I'm stealing stuff from the, the little landing, you know, where they're able to get all the bagels and stuff. And these boys, they're able to go do whatever they want every single week. I mean, it's cool. I, I, I'm happy for them. But, uh, you know, if I could have just had a a year just a, of it. A taste of it. Just, just a, taste. a taste of it. <laughs> just a taste of it. It's like, because I remember like texting my teammates at the end of the semester, like, hey, can I use some of your swipes to uh, get in the dining hall? <laughs> now, <laughs> these dudes, I tell our running backs all the time, these dudes, you better be taking the O-line out to steak dinners at least once a month because the money's now is good. But like, like Coach Cash said, it's, it's a blessing for those guys. To me, I, what I enjoy most is like thinking back, like imagine what like Johnny Menzel or Cam Newton or Right. Tim Tebow, what those guys would have been able to do in NIL. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Now, it is definitely a different beast where we might have jumped the gun a little too early. Some people are just expecting a million dollars, a big old house, and three uh, Corvettes. But at the end of the day, I, we say all the time, it's like literally name, image, and likeness. To be asking for a million dollars, these fan bases don't know your name yet. They don't know what you look like. And technically, they don't like you yet. So how could you just be expecting a million dollars out the gate? Once you get here and you make a name for yourself, you start getting your, your face on the TV, and then they start liking you, let the money flow in as much as possible. That, 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 that part has got lost a little bit, but like Coach Cavs said, I think we got such a tremendous thing that we got here at Oregon. Like, people just assume, oh, it's the University of Oregon. It's out here throwing bags. Now, nah, Uncle Phil really, tr- like, treats it like his company. There is a, a business side of this that helps not only our top guys, everybody benefits from it. And that's where we're a little bit more unique. At other places – they're probably like big dogs and a lot of little dogs. Here, you keep that team chemistry with a lot of the guys because it's a true business setup. They have some of the best people in business handling it. So our guys don't have to stress or worry about nothing. And the university has done a, a tremendous job of partnering with them. Our guys can go to the law school and be able to handle contracts and be able to sit down and talk with people. So there's a, a true foundation that we don't want to give away too many secrets, but there's a true foundation that we have that other people are sure enough sooner or later going to try to mimic. Well, I hope so. I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. I, and that's the only thing about it is <clears throat> I, I think you hit almost every point that, that I've always talked about with the NIL. I don't like that these young guys are coming in without any kind of play on the football field and they're expecting millions of dollars. That's mm-hmm. the only part that's really kind of bugs me. Mm-hmm. After you've been able to be there, you've been able to showcase what you got and you're giving to your university, the university needs to give back. That's a fact, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then for it not to be uh, that there are just these big dogs that got all this uh, money and then everybody else is down on the floor, you know, hoping they can catch, you know, a couple mm-hmm. uh, dollars from the <clears throat> from the top. It actually being set up for a real good trickle down effect for there to be a, a nice uh, steady pace on, you know, obviously they're the guys, the, the starting quarterbacks things like that, they will get paid the money they get paid. But you just don't leave out, you know, your kicker. You don't leave out your snapper. The guys that they're working just as hard, they're still doing a lot of stuff for your team. You're still counting on them to be able to win the same games, and you're not giving them the money that they deserve. So I, I am happy to hear Oregon at least has that uh, that down pack. It impacts your culture whether you want to or not. These are all 17, 18-year-old young men. If they hear so-and-so's getting this and they got nothing, what do you think that's going to do to your team? Somebody's going to be mad. Somebody's going to be upset. That effect will happen on Saturday night. You got you to you nip that in the bud way before that happens. So 
I'm pretty Wait. sure a bunch of other people got problems they got to deal with that. We knock on wood, we bless that we don't have to deal with here. Is that one of the things that will kind of police itself? Like, you you know, we've all heard kind of the horror stories of maybe parents and some kids having their hands out before they show up on campus. But then once you get into a good culture, a good locker room, a good environment, that kind of handles itself and it's kind of spread around the team. I mean, Kev, you've seen a lot of different things and this game has changed over the last couple of years dramatically and a leak like being in the pro game, now coming back into the college game where guys are getting paid for their value. And, you know, it's it's something that in a good locker room and a good environment, a good system, it kind of handles itself. Do you guys have any any experiences, positive, negative, that you've seen uh, just in the last couple of years that uh, that kind of it's out of control or you think if people run it the right way, it, it's really a great asset to pay the players for what their value is? I think Coach Cap said it like it's such a, a tremendous market. We can't sit here and lie. Every single Saturday, everybody across this country opens up in tents, get the grills fired up. Even if you don't step a foot into that stadium, you're probably spending $100 to $200 on making sure everybody enjoys themselves. So we can't sit here and negate the fact that it's almost a multi-billion dollar business. And there's a bunch of ways our guys can benefit from it. But as long as I, as I just feel like as long as we don't abuse it, for guys coming in and using it as a quote-unquote recruiting tactic, I think it's be something that's going to benefit everybody for the long run because there's a bunch of guys and there's a bunch of guys who maybe be on that line of, let's just use an example of like a school, like and no disrespect to any school. I'm just going to use it like a school like Toledo. It's like a, a G5. There might be a young man there who's like the man there who might end up being a late-round draft pick, undrafted free agent, but might be making some solid money at Toledo. He might stay for a fifth year. What does that do for Toledo? The fan base is going to enjoy it. So there's an impact that helps as long as we don't abuse it. Because I feel like there's there's chances that some people might abuse it so much on the front end that who knows what their team looks like in two, three years because of the, the culture and things of that nature. Definitely. <clears throat> on uh, Alik, you made a, a reference to it earlier um, about the five is one. We, we started that thing um when I was at Wake Forest and uh it was something that we wanted to try to build the camaraderie of the unit and that's why I've always loved coaching the offensive line it's mm -hmm. not about an individual it's about the unit it's about the group Cav and and I think that's why we all love the position it's you know four guys could be doing the right thing and one guy's off one guy has an MA one guy takes the wrong step one guy has a little bit of indecision or is late on the cadence and you know this is something that Gerald and I have tried to do over the last year in helping kids understand the game and train them and develop them kind of, I want each of you, Cav and Alik, like what makes a great offensive line unit? Like what makes a unit special? Is there one or two things that you think is kind of like the recipe to help build a unit, to make it five as one, to make it something special that it's not individualized? Cav, no better than anybody. Go ahead, Coach. Well, to me, you know, first thing I think we all look for is those guys that are smart and tough, you know what I mean? And then you build that camaraderie. I think we're doing a great job as a, as a, as a we call ourselves the, the O-line firm. Okay, the O-line <laughs> firm. firm. The law firm, baby. <laughs> it's the law firm. But anyways, I think Elite does a great job in our meeting room developing that culture. He's going to love you hard and, and – you know, kick you in the rear end when you need it. You know, coach you hard, love you hard. Uh, you know, when I was with Bugs, he had that philosophy. And um, But our kids, 
I think have a love and respect for each other. We're getting after it. We're working real hard. So that camaraderie that you build when you're all on the same page, all working together and uh, really getting after it, I think that's a big thing. And then, you know, being together, building those bonds, connection, you know, that's one of Coach Lanning's big things. Connection's a huge piece, right, Gerald? You know what I mean? When we're, we're talking O-line, you know, you may not be the best friends of every guy, but as you just said, we're a unit, man. Doesn't matter how good one guy is. Uh, you know, you got to communicate up front. You got to all be on the same page. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big thing. I love that word unit, unit, unit. What we do, you know, we protect our quarterback. We protect the running back. Um, we got to have a lot of pride in that. You know, we, we got to break on the ball, get after people and set the standard really for everybody. But, uh, you know, that to me is the whole thing. It's a unit. And uh, that's, I think, why we all love coaching the offensive line. Between that and the food, between that and <laughs> between that and Cav being able to cook us up something, <clears throat> golly, that just yeah. reminds me, I mean, the, nothing, I don't want to jump too far away from what we've been talking about, but there was nothing better than coming over to your house. I didn't know what kind of food you're going to cook. I mean, you know, it going over to a white guy's house, I was like, oh, this is going to be some boring food. I don't know what I'm about to be eating on. And then Cav pulls out the most Hawaiian dishes. He's got everything cooked up. He's killing it. I mean, we couldn't eat more than he could put out there. Cav just kept going all night. It was the most fun I've had. It was such a good time. I mean, and this was like I, it had to have been the first time that we'd ever came over to your house. And I didn't expect anything like it. And just being able to have a staff uh, that, that Oregon now has, I, I can tell that you guys are close. I can tell that you guys are going to do great things together. Uh, I hope the players understand that they are lucky because uh, there's a lot of different coaches out there and I'm not going to, you know, name names and talk crap about people, but the, the ability to come together and the ability to be close that, that, that only happens when you have great leadership and between the two of you guys, I think it's going to be an all-star year for you and uh, leading forward with the next couple. I, I think that's, that, that's the best part about it. Cause like you asked, like what makes a good unit? Like if we is my, me, my, like myself, coach calf, coach cut, we call ourselves a law firm. Like, us three together at all times, we having the most fun around this building probably more than anybody in this damn building. That's right. <laughs> and it's our players going to reflect that immediately. So for us to be sitting there telling them every single day, we got to be working as a unit, we got to be working as a unit. I mean, I, I just hope they can see that. We, without even trying, it's like we almost like the perfect representation of that. Because when things get tidy and we got to buckle up, all three of us buckle up and it's time to buckle up. When a joke gets cracked, we all are laughing up. Like when it's time to snack, we all snacking. I mean, that type of stuff is just who we are. And it, I hope our players can see that because we, we want to be a reflection for them of what we want them to be. But exactly. those guys do it themselves. Like you said, them, those experiences, those guys have breaking bread with each other. 18, 19 deep. I think the best part about it, we got a, a room full of selfless dudes. I think we all know that's what you were aiming for and recruiting and trying to get guys. You want smart, physical, tough, all that type of stuff. There's a bunch of ballers out there. But who the dudes who don't give a damn about anything else but making sure the team benefits off of our sacrifices? You know, like at the end of the day, let's do whatever's necessary for the old to be winners. I don't care who in the room, I don't care who's quote unquote coaching. Let's all do the same thing so we can end up on top. And that's the only thing that matters most. Because for us, there ain't no stats. 
So let's do it for each other. <clears throat> Facts. <laughs> Facts. You preach it to the choir, my guy. No, I think that's big time. When you talk about just creating a culture and being selfless mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, always having those units that really have success and they have kind of the, the appreciation when somebody else gets the recognition, the quarterback, the running back, the receiver, the tight end. Hey, you guys are doing your thing. We'll do ours in the background. And that's something that you guys are in the thick of it. And it is now time. It's, it's crazy to think about. We're in the middle of summer right now and your team's just showing back up and you're in the midst of recruiting. Like this used to be maybe just camp season a couple of years ago. And you'd evaluate some underclassmen and, hey, I'm going to look. I'll check your senior film out. You guys are hosting official visits right now. Like June and July, it's like signing date is right around the corner. And you're getting kids committing and jumping on board. Like this is a crazy time in college football. And there is no downtime. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you how things have changed, and and Alik, you've seen it just in your career, is like – when a guy comes on campus or when you start to meet a recruit, what are some of the things that you look for? Like, do you have a checklist of, hey, yeah, they got to have the measurables. They got to be able to compete at, at a power five level. Like we all know, hey, the metrics, they got to have the size, the wingspan, the speed, all those things. You know, some of them don't run great 40s, but they're ballers when it comes to one on one. Right. Elite? <laughs> so but like some of those things, personality wise, like what are you looking for in an O-line prospect? I mean, for us, the first thing we say, and I hope nobody steals this, but the first thing we say all the time, we tell the parents, we want high character assholes. Like dudes, like when you're in the grocery store and you drop your wallet on the floor and there's $1,000 in it, that young man's going to bring it to that old lady like, excuse me, man, you dropped your wallet. And then the second you get within the white lines, like we tell most parents, like you probably don't even know who your son is inside the white lines because he's probably somebody you don't want to be around, like somebody who's really like, F you, point blank period. If you don't wear our colors and you're trying to hurt anybody that has a ball on our side, you got to get it and you got to get it over and over and over again. So like you talk about the size and the measurables and all that kind of stuff, like me being an undersized center playing when I played, I kind of don't, that's not the first, obviously we want large humans who are big, athletic, can bend, all that type of stuff. You never can go wrong there. But there's a lot of guys who may not be the biggest, strongest, fastest, but are the best ball players. And today we ball coaches. We want to get those best guys in the room. But if the base foundation is a high character dude who's an a-hole, that's, we got we got literally the best developer in our room of all time. We got two other coaches who all we want to do is develop. The rest is on us. This be a great dude and have a knack to want to hurt somebody else. Let us handle the rest. Obviously, you got to have some good band, good explosiveness, all that type of stuff. But that's our job to do that evaluating. A high character asshole. <laughs> Man, I need a T-shirt. I need a T-shirt. That sounds like the best thing in the world. The, the law firm. The, the law, law firm. Is, hey, is trade. You for... need to trademark that thing. Go ahead, throw it all over Oregon. Man, I'll come buy one. Kev, what do you think? Like, have you seen a little bit of a change in the type of players, or is it? It's always the same. Like, you want guys that are on the edge. You know that. That's that exactly be, it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, we hit no it out in the head. You know what I mean? Uh, I love the way he says high character asshole, you know, uh, we're not looking for any freaking choir boys. That's for sure. You know what I mean? But the thing that to <laughs> me, that always those two things that to me always was the most important was one, a smart guy and a tough guy, obviously good enough athlete, but that smart, tough part of it. To me, that's huge. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, 
we just got to keep keep recruiting and finding the right guys. You know what I mean? And I, I know we're on the right trail. How do you how do you find out? Because you watch film, you know, so much recruiting is done not in person. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways? I mean, Ali, Cav, like, what are some other ways you can find that information out? Are you going to the coaches? Are you talking to other teams that they play against, like reputation of the type of player? Like, how do you find all that out um, to, to see what makes a guy tick and see what they're made of? I think I think you just don't leave any stone unturned because somebody may have one viewpoint of them and somebody else may have a different one. So, like, now, especially with all these camps they do, there's film all over the place. I want to – we want to watch – like, if there's anything being filmed, we probably send it in the law firm group chat. If you're doing one-on-ones, if you're doing something at the park, anything, obviously you're going to call a coach. And you got to take everything with a slight grain of salt because every coach is going to say, this is the best I've had in a decade. Mm-hmm. So, you got all due respect to that. But – when you call other coaches, it'd be like, man, that, that kid from so-and-so, he was lights out for four quarters. Like, okay, it looks like it. And honestly, one of the best things, and I think it's something that Coach Landon does a tremendous job of, is invite a guy to camp and see if he just wants to compete. If you're a five-star, four-star guy, are you still trying to go to a camp and get some work in? Because some of these guys now, especially with the social media deal, it's like, oh, what do I need to camp for? Co, you see me, you can just go watch. Are you willing to just compete and go whoop some tail for a free hour? Shoot, pay $20 and let's go whoop some tail for an hour. So there's a million ways you can never like for example one of our guys we got a, a young man named poncho who just got here in january poncho might be one of the toughest sobs we might have any of us probably ever come across of but he's a soft-spoken kid played a ukulele sing the life of the room doesn't really get physical or, or crazy mad outside of football and once that man step on the green this that young man is nasty and he doesn't care about how anybody feels or thinks in the second is over He's got his arm around everybody. He's laughing. He's the life of the party. He's a quiet kid, but sometimes you just never know. And Poncho's a perfect example of that. I think one of the things, too, like, you know, a lot of guys go off highlight tapes, and then at times, like, you go, well, why did that get turned off so fast? If this is a highlight of the guy, well, what's the story there? Mm-hmm. So I, I always think about the true serum, and the true serum is watching games, guys. You know, are these guys finishing consistently, you know? But to me, there's no better, you know, I love the old Russ Grimm, Joe Moore quote by, there's no better joy in life than moving a man from A to B against his will and watching young rascals do that. I mean, those are the guys you're trying to find. I think you're right about that, though. The the highlights, I don't know how many people, they, they're able to cut that highlight off just in time. You're all like, Wait, okay. What happened? I know that play's not over. I know it's not over. What'd you do? <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. I that was uh that was probably one of the best things about Gates. Uh Nick Gates, one of my old teammates, one of Cavs uh guys. <clears throat> Gates's highlights, I watched him and I I mean we were both uh same class and um he was at uh Bishop Gorman. I'm in Nebraska and they told me about him. They're like, hey, this guy, he's a really good player. Uh, we really want him to come to Nebraska. I was like, okay, I'm going to do my own research. So I, I go to watch his huddle, and I'm talking about it was every chance he got, he was trying to just take a guy as far as he could, throw a guy to the ground, go get the next dude, and that was just his game. And I fell in love with it. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I found me a, a left tackle, and we – 
We went to Nebraska together, had a great time. Cav, he was able to be around our mess. That was me and Gates on the same side of the ball. But, uh, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. But, yeah, no, back to what you're saying. There are a lot of people that feel comfortable <clears throat> taking the social media, taking the, the clout that they got in the second, right? They're, they're happy to be able to say, oh, I'm a four or five star. Come compete. You don't have to do the whole camp, right? I'm not going to ask you to go out there and every single one-on-one, you got to just go back to back to back. But I want to see you go out there, have a good time, and you want it because that want is something that, that I can't give you. That want is something that you got to have. You got to be the guy for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal, too. Like, a lot of guys say, like, oh, we can make them tougher or we can make them finish more. I mean, a lot of times it, that's that's in you. And, and there's maybe large humans that have maybe – their whole life have been told, hey, easy, easy, don't beat up on little people, don't beat up on little people. But you still want to turn on the film and see a 6'8", 370 dude just belly flop people over and over and over and over again, not stop because you're bigger and better than everybody. So a lot of times people are like, oh, why isn't that big kid getting offered? Well, we watch film and seen how many times he let up. Let's get him in real life and let's see how he competes. Is it something that he's been told, whoa, whoa, his whole life, and now it's time to get told, go? Or is this he just a big t- teddy bear and it's not going to be for him? Because there's six one fireballs out there who putting their face in everything trying to go take the head coach's face off you might as well go play with him because when things get tough you know the type of player he's gonna be you know are you just a big target or are you a big bullet right <laughs> which one are one, you you hit that one on the head literally and that was one of the things elite that jumped out to me in recruiting you you know you were a guy that was sideline to sideline you know and i can only imagine you're coaching the same way you got juice on the field and you expect the same from your players, you know, because that's the way you play the game and you played at the power five level, an undersized guy that was smart, cerebral, knew the calls to play in the power five as a freshman, as a true freshman and transition it right into a coaching job in the power five level. Like that's a credit to you, your family, the work ethic, how much you study the game. And I'm sure it's the same way in the meeting room, Cav. I'm sure you see it every single day. Like, he probably coaches just like he played, right? 100%, man. Uh, Alik is a really smart guy, obviously. He's so passionate. about like my shit, I've told you how, how fast he runs because I've seen him running against our guys, <laughs> like in, you know, conditioning things. <laughs> so you talk about competitive, you talk about passion. I mean, you know, I just love coming to work every day. I'm so fortunate. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do, be able to work with a group of guys and help out any way I can. And, you know, like, you know, there's no ego in the room. It's uh, love for each other, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But the way he handles his meetings, like I said earlier, I mean, it, you just see the passion and, and the, the teaching. And at the end of the day, right, we are a teacher. And – uh I don't think there's a better teacher than the leak. You know what I mean? And the way he gets his messages to, to these kids. Like I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, Kevin Gilbride. And I was like, me and you come from the school. When we MF you, that was it. It was over with. There was no apologies. A leak has that away about him where today with young kids, you know, uh, he could kick you in the ass and bring you right back. You know, he can MF you and reel you back right in. And, uh, that's pretty special, you know what I mean? And one of the guys that I, I coached for, Jim Grove, who was at Wake Forest when elite, we were recruiting a league at, yeah. at Wake. And uh, 
And that was one of the things that, that he always said, you know, you, you hug him hard around the neck and you let him know, you know, you hold him for a high standard, uh, but you let him know that, that you expect a lot out of him and you always want to be uh, hold guys to a high standard, but they need to know you're doing it out of their best interest because we need them to produce on the field. And so when it was hugging them around the neck and letting them know that they may need a, a kick in the butt, and that's the way it was going to be. And Groby was an old school cat. And that, I think that's why a lot of those guys had success um, at Wake and playing for that type of mentality. And I know a league that was it was kind of bringing that bond together for the offensive line at Wake when you were a player. And, you know, Gerald, you had the same thing at Nebraska. You had a bunch of dudes that, you know, you just trusted. But you also had coaches that were going to push you hard and demand a lot out of you. So um, do you get- I think that I think that's because I'm a coach's son, though, because. My dad is a long-time coach. He's a defense coordinator. I go, both of my brothers play long time in football. Like all I know is football, but like all the credit I give to my pops because that's what he was. Like, I hated football for like two, three years because I was eight, nine years old and I had to do conditioning with my brothers. And I'm like, man, this is sick and this is outrageous. I need to be at the park running down the slide, but I'm doing 12 110s at nine, not realizing what the foundation my pops was setting in me that no matter what I attack now, I only know to attack it. The, like, cause even after when I was like 10 or 11 and I stopped playing football, he didn't force me to do it. He was kind of like, all right, do what you want to do. Take your chances. But when you're going to do this, you're going to do it at the most optimal level. There, there is no cutting corners because there's too many people. He, he says it all the time. This is a child's game with King's ransom. Not once again, not realizing what he was saying at that time. We, everybody on this, on this podcast right now has seen things we never thought imaginable. And that thing has been done because of a damn pig skin. And like I can say that now, like man, I can see what he meant. When I was nine, I'm like, if this man tell me to do one more hundred, I'm running away. And I'm never coming back. But now we've been blessed to go. I've been blessed. Me, Kevin, I've been blessed to live in Hawaii. We've won championships. We're gonna be able to be in people's weddings that we've never would have even once interacted with if it wasn't for those blood, sweat, and tears we shed. So it's like I know the experience as a player. We all know how impactful that co- those college years are. We got to bring that juice every single day so nobody loses that love because the business side of this, the love gets taken away sometimes. But, man, this damn thing is so fun. Let's make sure we keep it fun. It's going to get hard. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. You got another opportunity, another play. Let's go make sure we have fun every single day doing so. Alik, I wanted to follow up. You just talked about your dad and the example. Cav, you've you've been around a lot of families. You've recruited a lot of kids. Gerald, you've seen a lot of teammates. Like, what? how much of a parental influence – has a big part in the recruiting aspect, Cav. Like you've been in, in home visits and you've gone official visits. And when a parent comes aboard, how many times do you write a kid off because a parent is acting a certain way? Or how many times do you see a kid act the right way because of the example of the parents? Like I'm sure you got a million of those stories. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, you see it all, right? When you go in people's houses and you've recruited long enough, sometimes, you know, I'm just saying, you know, generally, there's some parents, they like the recruiting process more than the kid does, right? And then there's some kids, and I'm going to say this, but some kids like recruiting more than football. You know, I'm going to tell you a story about, you know, Gerald talks about coming over to my house. So we recruited this kid, Matt Farniak, and Gerald and Nick, we had another recruit, can't remember who it was, but. So Mrs. Farniak's there, and she had four sons eventually that ended up all playing at Division One. 
Oldest was at Iowa State. Tom, I'm not sure the next guy's name. He went to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, and then Matt came, came to Nebraska. But, you know, Gerald kind of hit on it, right? By having your kids over, and you talk about being comfortable, uh, like I always always refer Cav the asshole on the field, then he's like Uncle Mike off of it, you know what I mean, or Uncle Cavy or whatever. But like Mrs. Farniak came to my house and after the visit, so she comes walking in and Gerald and Nick, I have this big ass sofa, you know what I mean? And they're laid out on it watching TV, just hanging out, chilling. And she went like this to me. Coach, uh, I see your kids are pretty comfortable with you. And uh, I've been through this a lot. And I've been over people's houses and kids were walking on eggshells. So, but to me, like, you know, we all have the passion to coach and we love our players. There's no, no doubt about it. You know, every guy that's on this podcast right here and uh, that shows through. They know when you're real and you're full of shit too. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, that's that's what's so much fun about working with the league and Cutter and, and our whole offensive line staff. It's awesome. But that, to me, is a big part of it is, you know, at the end of the day, this is about a lifetime relationship. And like I said earlier, we're teachers. So uh, so that's 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 where I'm coming from. <laughs> well, uh, happy belated Father's Day to everybody on here to to everybody watching all of the 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 fathers the father figures that come into other people's lives uh that that's one thing I'll, I'll talk just a little bit on it uh when you're going to college um as a young guy you're going to be leaving your parents but that father figure that uh that aspect of being able to grow up uh have somebody that you can count on have somebody that that you know has the they want you to succeed. They want you to be the best you that you can be. Having a father like that on the field, having him uh, trying to push you and guide you the right direction, that's just the world of difference. That's something that that I am always and I, I always will be grateful for uh, Cav and for Jaime for just uh, setting an example for me. Uh, Leek, I'm going to guess you have the exact same uh, opinion, same feeling about it, but um, just being able to to, to have somebody that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Whenever we went over to Cavs house, we were as comfortable as it could be. We'd be on the couch having a good time. Hey, we probably had to get kicked out before we were going to leave kind of thing. You know, it was, it was probably one of the best, uh, best couple of years of my life being able to just to be around a good group of people, good, uh, atmosphere. And it just made it easier. Cause, um, Cav, you hit on it a little bit earlier, uh, as an offensive line, there's five of us, now, that doesn't mean that we have to be the best friends, right? We don't have to be lovey-dovey every single second, go to the same classes, do all that stuff. That's not true, right? As much as you want it to be reality, it's just not. There are going to be a couple guys that you like to be around, a couple guys that you're going to be doing other stuff with, right? Um, but at the end of the day, when you finally get on that field, that five, uh, you got to be able to come together. You got to have a cohesiveness, a bond, a brotherhood that uh, – that transcends, you know, just friendships and things like that. And I think that that was something that we were able to build at Nebraska because of what Cav and uh, the lessons he was teaching us, the way that he he instructed us and the way that that we were able to move forward. Um, a leak, I, I would probably say uh, Wake Forest. Was it kind of the same kind of vibe for you? And that's, that's the funniest part about it, because like Coach Jaime said, I didn't even end up getting to play for Coach Jaime, but I felt so comfortable making that decision just because of the relationship we had. 
it's long past now. He won't get in trouble for it. But I remember going to get something to eat and like just having that 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 bond with him, my pops. We sitting at Flanagan's, and I'm just like, this just doesn't. It just this this seems like somebody my dad would be around all the time. Like mm. both of my brothers were highly recruited, and you could like like Cav said, that mother said, like that mom said, you had like walk on eggshells around certain people. I was Facebook messaging Coach Jaime back and forth way before the social media deal was going on. He was critiquing my highlights in the middle of the season, all that type of stuff. It was so much bigger than just I was like a pawn. You can see like my well-being was important to him. And to me, that's kind of the foundation I kind of set with all our guys where it's like, yeah, we're recruiting you, but I'm recruiting you to join our family, not join our team. I think that's something that's big. It's like Coach Jaime had me so comfortable. That that feeling was replicated even after he left because like, Corey Helms and Josh Harris and all those guys, they took me under their, under their wing like with no issue. I came in there and played as a true freshman, moved Corey over to guard, and Corey was a freshman All-American the year before. They had no ill will towards me at all. Those dudes were like, they're my big brothers still to this day, and that was because of the foundation Coach Jaime had. Those dudes wore fathers one shirts the whole time. And then Coach Tabaki came in there, and he, he set it to a, to, a, to a whole new level because he those guys had the foundation, and then he came in and he kept it going. And for us, it was like, when you just being around selfless people, it's like, man, you can't. How do you hate life? You can't hate life. Life is good. We need to uh, get. We need to get some other shirts out there, Jaime. I think there might be uh, some gear heading up to to Eugene. We'll, we'll see yeah, if yeah. we can we need, put yeah, something we need together. Special green and green and yellow. Special. We, green we, we might. We might have to. We might see if we can put something together. Hey, the game has changed. You can't keep the same group together. You know, you got transfer portal, rosters are changing, guys are moving. Like, it's free agency in college football these days. What is it like coaching college football? Like, I haven't coached the O-line in college for a number of years. I've been in pro game last few where it truly is free agency in the pro game, but now you're dealing with it on the college level. You're you're getting transfers. It used to be there might be one or two grad transfer guys that show up. Okay, that's just a plug and play. There might be a JC guy that transfers. How do you create culture quickly in an environment where it's so much transiency, so many moving parts, Cav, Alik, like how have you seen it over the last couple of years? I mean, at least for us, it's just be consistent. I mean, I, I don't feel like you can fear the portal. It's there. I mean, what, what are you going to do about it? If we can be, be the same person every single day, you hope a young man isn't saying, oh, I'm not playing, I'm leaving. You hope they appreciate the fact that we're the same people. We're going to be transparent, we're going to be honest, and we want the best for everybody. There's only five of us that can play. No matter what room you go to in the country, you're going to end up competing for a job. So somebody else may be lying to you and telling you, oh, you, we got a spot here. And I don't like to talk about other people, but if somebody's telling you they get, you got to start a spot somewhere else, that means they're probably not doing a good job with their own guys. So why would you want to go somewhere like that? So it's like, for us, we're not going to fear it. We're going to come to work every single day, build a culture where even if a guy doesn't play, he's like, man, why would I go anywhere else? I love my brothers. I love this room. I love all that kind of stuff. So it's just being consistent every single day because it's going to be there. I hope and pray we never have a guy that wants to hit the portal. But there might be somebody in his ear that may have a logical reason for why he should go so-and-so or go so-and-so. But hopefully the law firm loving on them, working them every single day is like, I could go somewhere else, but I want to be around people who just worry about my development and truly care about my development. But I feel like if you start fearing it, you start faking who you are. One day you're like, hey, what's going on, buddy? Da, da, da. <laughs> like you say, if people feel that. You can feel when something's not genuine. You would just want to be as genuine and consistently genuine that if that conversation does pop up, 
Because I think even your best players, no matter who you are, your best players, somebody's probably hitting their phone and saying something to them. And he's like, I don't, it's, it's, don't want to wake up every single day fearing like, oh my God, is our guys getting in the portal? It's nope, our guys are here. Let's go invest in them, into them as much as possible. One of the things too, like Lee said, and this is where he, he's unbelievable, is like so consistent. You know, I, I've never been around a coach that starts every meeting consistently with a prayer like Adelique does. And like, he'll say, Hey, if you want to jump in here, you're welcome to, you know what I mean? It's nothing that's forced on, on any of our kids, but I think with that, you know, leadership, the love for the kids, you know what I mean? I, I just think I see a guy that's consistent every day and what he does. And, uh, you know, every time we break, it's don't be good be great so the standard is there and a leak setting that standard for everybody and um you know at, at the end of the day the trust is a big part of it and a leak gets his guys trust them and you know i think all great offensive line coaches are that's what they're all about it is about creating that culture and a leak you had a chance the last couple of years to look at life on the other side of the ball over on the dark side where you work in uh when you, when you were working with the uh, Minnesota Vikings, you were on the yeah. defensive side. Give us a little insight to uh, how much that left a hole in your heart that you were missing, the offensive mm -hmm. line, or did it really get kind of open up your eyes to seeing the game a little bit broader? Mm -hmm. And I, I, like, I'm so transparent with this because I feel like it's something that, like, that needs to be shined a light on. But like, as an African-American offensive line coach, there isn't a lot. So I, when I got that call, so I was only in, I was only in the league a year. I went to Minnesota Vikings, but that when I first got the call from Stevie Donatel, his dad Eddie D, Wake Forest, oh, wow. the Webs Hallway. That's yeah. how this thing even happened. I never met uh, Eddie D before, but we got on the phone and we started talking. He's like, "Man, I want you to be my assistant defensive line coach." And I'm like, "Coach, I've never coached defensive line a day in my life." Like my brother was a first round draft pick as a D lineman. My dad's a defensive coordinator. I can't stand defensive linemen. I want to slap everyone in the back of the neck. And if you walk past me, I probably trip you. So in my mind, especially as an African-American offensive line coach, I didn't want to be seen as somebody who can't handle the complexity of being an offensive line coach. We, you got being, being cerebral. He maybe he's not cerebral enough to handle the task of being an offensive line coach. So I told Eddie D at that time, like, I honestly didn't want to do it. But the Sean McVay family, Kevin O'Connell, that's what they do. That's how they build coordinators and head coaches. They literally look for people from the opposite side of the ball. They want assistant receiver coaches that play DB. They want assistant defensive line coaches that play the line. So it grows us as coaches. I think I thank Coach O'Connor Coach Donatel because those guys are not only about developing the players, but developing the, the coaches and the staff members that they bring up on. And they do a real good job of their due diligence of finding the right guys because it is a task that's hard because you now have to go coach somebody at the most premier level of football at a position that I don't, I don't, I played third down D tackle in high school. I had a nice little swim, but that's all I have for you. But being able to learn fast and then being able to utilize it to help teach those guys that did so much for me because no matter what level you're at, I, honestly, I was probably a little like scared at first. Like, dang, how am I going to teach these guys? And I don't even, I haven't done what they've done. But if you give a guy something that helps them, they're going to come back. So to be able to teach them something from an offensive line perspective, like I see what you're doing there, but if we're doing this, so that's not going to work. You're wasting your time. Like, oh, dang, what you mean by that? Then they come back. So for me, it helped me grow in ways I never thought imaginable. And now I'm able to drop that and, and, and fill that up with our guys here. I'm so thankful for it. I'm so glad that I did it. And I wasn't going to do it. I'm like, man, I want to be a black offensive line coach. And I don't want nobody to say I can't handle it.
I don't want nobody to say I can't handle it. Listening to Eddie Donatello is like, no, I get what you're saying, but what about being a head coach? What about knowing football so well that you know both sides? The art of war, imagine you know your opponent better than he knows you. You're probably going to win most matchups. And I'm so grateful for the experiences I got to be around, obviously, the NFL level. That's, it's the highest of all highs being around that such greater talent. I think the biggest thing it taught me, especially to get to our guys, is you only see those guys on Sunday, so you think, man, they're just blessed to do this. Man, those dudes are the hardest working dudes on this planet. To see Justin Jefferson, and I'm like, man, this is the freakiest receiver I've ever seen in my life, but then watch him attack every single day. Watching Kirk Cousins, who nobody gives his respect to, who is the hardest working, one of the hardest working football players I've ever seen. You see why he's 10 years in touching 200 million plus dollars. These people are so invested in their craft, being able now to tell a young man, okay, you want to be an NFL a player. What are you doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of May to help impact yourself that on Saturday nights you're going to be able to do something tremendous. So I think that experience in the league was so tremendous. Now being able to pour that back into our guys, it's a blessing from God for real. Kev, did you ever coach on the other side of the ball, another position other than O-line? I did. Uh, it was at Alma College in Michigan. I had to, I had a freaking blast. I, for some reason, our, the guy that became the head coach, we were on the same staff. He was the D.C. And uh, I was actually a D.C. linebacker coach for one year, and it was I had a blast. It was awesome. But, you know, being able to understand both sides, you know, was fun and obviously as an old line coach you knew exactly how they're going to try to block it so but it was a lot of fun I loved it and uh, like Elise said you know that learning experience and it was a it was a great deal but the way like Elite does a great job too like as far as like you know a kid does something technique wise and then he'll talk about exactly why you kind of messed up or you know, how this guy's going to do this or whatever, and you got to be able to counter it. And, you know, so I think that experience of being a defensive line coach and a whole line coach, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I think you got to be versatile in this game. You got to be versatile as a player. Right. You can't just be a one trick pony, but you also got to be versatile as a coach. And uh, you're, you're going to coach players from different backgrounds. Uh, you're going to see different schemes on the other side of the ball. Um, and uh, I know probably one of the questions people are wanting to know is in a couple of years here, what conference maybe Oregon might be in with the defect, defection of SC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. There might be, Cab, there might be an Oregon-Nebraska rivalry. Who knows in <laughs> college football these days? Gerald, I mean, who are you going to cheer for, Gerald? It, it might be. You gonna cheer for your coach or your Listen, alma mater, man? I, I love Cav with all my heart. He knows who I'm gonna be cheering for. <laughs> he knows it. It doesn't matter about any of the other stuff. He knows who I'm gonna be cheering for. All right, that that, that that's that's done and said. But I will say this: I'm good. I don't know how Jaime's uh, schedule is gonna be, but this year I gotta make my. I gotta come see one of these games, huh? You guys gotta come on out. I got to see one of these the games. Game. Come to where there's, the work is. Come to our meetings and practice. That's the fun part. Yeah, you, I don't know. Hey, it ain't about I'll the game. I want to come see. I want to watch you guys in meetings. I want to watch practice. I might have to come up for camp and uh, spend the mat. whole time. The key is under the mat. <laughs> That's easy enough. The mat. And, and you're going to be like, Gerald, why are you here? Gerald, get out. You've no, been but, here for too many weeks. <laughs> Gerald, I would, like, you probably like, – you have to come to a game because – Nebraska is probably in my mind, like no disrespect to anybody in the SEC, but 
that's probably one of the only other places that I think that like rocks out like Austin does. Like that, like you talk about people who are just when there's not a pro team in your town, the fans are committed at a different level. Different. It's and different. At a different level. And I thought like being from Miami, I thought ball was important to us. And then being in Austin, we like, I forgot who we we played like uh UMass, no disrespect to UMass, but I was like, oh, it'd probably be like half people show up to the game, really won't be that big. Man, I'm talking about sold out crowd. It was Montana. We played Montana. It was sold out crowd. Tailgating two, three hours before. I'm like, oh man, this is football for real. This is football for real. So like being at a place like Nebraska, I know they had the the the, the long sellout street. I can only imagine what it's like. So if you probably you've experienced that like some of the best, you got to come experience this for real. For real. I got to. And uh, last time I was there, we took a beating. <laughs> I came up. I came up and played. It was uh, it we were there together. Yeah, we were together. It was <laughs> we were going to play Oregon. It was uh, we finally got to see uh Terrell Crosby. He was uh, so back in the day, we all played in the All American game. Me, uh, Gates, and uh, Terrell, we all played together, and we were on the same side. We all we won the thing together. Like, and then we finally were able to meet up in Oregon. It was a whole lot mm-hmm. of fun to take pictures and all that stuff. I was so surprised, though. I mean, like, I had, I had heard stories that Oregon was loud. I had heard stories it was crazy. And we get out on the field, and it blew up. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so it's going to be a game. We're going to play. So, yeah, no, I definitely am going to have to make my way this year. Uh, Kev, now here's a question. Top five uh, stadiums. Oh, boy. Well, not that I'm biased, but I coach at Oregon a lot of times, and that's one of the best stadiums, loudest place I've ever been to. Uh, obviously, coaching at Nebraska, I saw that and what that was all about, the tradition and what Leap was just talking about. Ah, uh, boy. You know, I think when we went to Ohio State, that was kind of a cool deal, playing at the horseshoe. Horseshoe is crazy. Um, trying to think of where else. When I coached in the NFL for a short stint right there to Kansas City Chiefs, you could not – I couldn't even hear Bugle. We were yelling at each other top of our lungs. And couldn't hear nothing. But uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, and I think Washington, you know, from my experience, pretty rowdy place too. So those are my five. That's easy enough. I was underwhelmed when we went to uh, Michigan. I thought Michigan was going to be a whole lot – I mean – they call it the big house. And big I was, house, yeah. in my head, I was like, it's the big house. This is supposed to be like the craziest place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just spread out. So like wide, mm-hmm. it's so wide that you, the sound doesn't like get caught and, you know, captured into the stadium, but mm-hmm. it was a cool place to play. I'm not going to take away from the, the Michigan fans out there. I know we got a real big Michigan um, person, a part of our staff. So he's going to hate hearing me say that, but uh yeah, no. Uh, Nebraska, Ohio State. When Wisconsin does the jump, that that was crazy. We mm-hmm. went down, and played Miami. That was they they hated us. So that was a different kind of the old the old stadium when it was the Orange Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The they hated us. They hated us mm-hmm. for a reason too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, ooh, number I'd probably say when we played Tennessee. At um, we played Tennessee at um, what is the stadium called? The Titan Stadium. Mm-hmm. That was that was insane because we thought it was just going to be a regular bowl game, and here comes Tennessee screaming, losing their minds. It was almost 
all orange. I had never been in a stadium because Cav can tell you, Jaime, he probably knows as well, but Nebraska fans, they travel crazy. So mm-hmm. usually it's about half and half, yeah. almost anywhere we go. And that stadium was like, it was like 80% Tennessee. I looked around, I was like, oh, this is going to be a different kind of game. This is going to be one of those I'm going to remember. So Jaime, what, uh, what, what do you got? Sorry, I forgot one place that I thought was cool too was Penn State. Oh, yeah. When they did the strike. Yeah. And we had Saquon running our defense like it was, uh, what was it? A hot knife through butter. It was, butter. That was different. <laughs> that one was different. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, in the pack, back in the day, the Pac 10 when I was playing at SC, you know, Washington, Cav, that place was rocking. You know, they were. That was that was one that they like tried to give us like uh, these hearing aids in our helmets. Like we'd plug it in our ears like they were trying anything, trying to go silent count. Those guys were rocking in the Pac-10 back in the day. Um, We played at Penn State and I was I was just thinking Penn State and like coming from SC West Coast. That was one of those kind of non-traditional matchups that we played a regular season game. We played out there and they they put it on us and they were yelling. We went in at halftime. I think we were down by 21 there were Pennsylvania grandmothers yelling and screaming at us to go back to California. Like they were <laughs> business. So that was kind of a welcome uh, to college football moment for me. Playing in a Rose Bowl is always awesome. You know, UCLA, uh, that's a little tough because it's off campus, but just the environment, that's one of the most beautiful environments in college football um, was awesome. And probably a leak when I was at Wake, we played Clemson down in Death Valley. Oh, I forgot about that, one. that one, that one was pretty cool. Um, now they they put a beat down on us, but they were that was an awesome environment to see him come down, touch Howard's Rock, do the whole deal. Like that's one of those just epic college football stadiums down there. League, you probably had some good ones in the ACC that you had during your time. No yeah, doubt. Got? This is a sleeper, but I always start with this because Utah State, and that made me respect like Architecta Stadium. Like being off of that mountain, it's not. It's probably one of the. So one of the smallest stadiums ever, but the loudest mm-hmm. stadium I've ever played in was Utah State. Like, I literally remember trying to talk to Corey Helms next to me, and it literally <laughs> – and we were right next to each other. And I remember leaving because, like, Clemson, elite place to play at. Uh, Florida State, when they're rocking and they get that chop going, great place to play at. And Notre Dame was a great place to play at. Notre Dame was probably the first place I seen them actually throw people. Their student section, they were like throwing people up in the crowd, literally catching them and throwing them. That that was, that experience was great. But I remember like having all those games, and we were like, man, Utah State was louder than all these places. And you just never expect that. But it was like, man, it's being off the mountains. It sounded like everything was just bouncing back off the mountains onto the field. You like, I can't even hear myself think, let alone anything else. But like, it, it wasn't big. It probably maybe been 35, 40,000. But still to this day, that's still one of the loudest stadiums I've ever played in. Ever played in. And then I the last one, the, the Mountain West, giving the Mountain West some love there. I like no, it. I got to give him some love because that was even when I was playing. I'm like, man, I remember calling my dad like this was literally the loudest stadium I've ever played in my life. I couldn't. I could. And it was stressful. Like as a center trying to communicate and you're on the sideline, man, you can't hear me. I can't even hear you right now on the sideline, bro. So I don't know what you want me to tell you. I love it. Last man. One. And then you the last the one on an Austin one thousand ten percent. 1,010%. It gets no better, Austin. UW is smooth, too, when they're rolling. But Austin, like, seeing the way they reacted when we played Montana, it's even tenfold when OSU coming to town, when Washington coming to town. The place literally shakes. 
I never got when I was playing at SC, we never played at Austin. It was just one of those, the schedule never hit. We were always, I didn't travel. Like when I was a freshman, we played them at home a couple of times. So I never got to experience that one. That's one I want to try to get to. And like, we always played Notre Dame um, every year, every other year at SC Notre Dame. You know, when we went in there, it's, it's always fun to go to a stadium like that and see them filing out in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and see them, you know, they're, they're trying to get home and beat the traffic. So that's mm-hmm. one that, that I love playing at South Bend and we can send them home uh, early. So that, those, those are always great memories that you got. Cab, I know you got a bunch of those sending people home early, having a good old time. No doubt. You know, there's some other play. I mean, I don't know, I guess cause I'm old, I coach in some of different places, but you know, like a league talked about Utah State, the wild place to me was Boise, playing yeah. that blue turf. You know, the blue field. The blue field. That was crazy. So, but lots of great memories. Obviously, what's that? What's that one field like? Everybody is like played or coached that. Were you like, damn, I'm really here right now? What's been that place? <laughs> like the one you just pinch yourself and say, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. I, I would say, Cav, you brought it up before, but Arrowhead. When I was with the when I was with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. you know, I was there for a cup of coffee. I was there for training camp. I was camp fodder. But when they start singing the national anthem, and they say, and it just deafen, it's just deafening when they say "Home of the Chiefs," and it just rocks, and it just it hits you in your heart. And that one, that one was pretty cool. That was mm-hmm. the the one for me to check off the uh, the bucket list. I would have to say Notre Dame, but couldn't have been the worst time ever because it was COVID and there was nobody in the stadium. Oh, man. It was terrible. And then I love those people that when you come uh, walking in places, they give you that, hey, welcome to Notre Dame or welcome to so-and-so, and you're like, F you. That was welcome to BYU. BYU would always <laughs> do that, Cap. That's another thing. Welcome to BYU. <laughs> they would shake your hands and they would – and it, you could just tell, man, I can't wait to play these guys. That's right. Well, there's some great college football environments, great stories out there, and we look forward to getting up to uh, to Austin. Gerald, I think we might have to uh, get a little uh, road trip and get up there and see these guys in action. Um, it's been uh, it's been awesome to kind of re um, revisit some of these memories. Alik, it has been way too long, man. I followed your career. I know we've stayed in touch. And uh, I'm super excited to see how you guys play this year. Cav, try to keep uh, try to keep it on the straight and narrow. You know, you're you're more of kind of the you know the reserve personality. Cav, you know, sitting in the back of the room, not saying a word, huh? Yeah, that's Cav. <laughs> yeah, that's Cav right there. That's, hey. that's Cav. Reserved and quiet. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and with that being said, this might wrap things up because <laughs> this thing goes any said. longer. We we might get too many stories. Cav, you got any Gerald Foster stories? Gerald, you got any more? I know you talked about Cav being being the great uh, being the great cook. Um, anything else? Just parting stories that just from your time together, you guys got. Cav called me. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times in my life. That's something that would be stuck. It's ingrained in my head. I literally catch myself when I'm talking to all these young guys. I'm like, you're st- don't say it, Gerald. I'm literally, like, don't do it to another group. Literally, that's added to the arsenal in here. Every, everybody in the law firm be like, we'll watch film. Like, ah, he's stiffer than a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, no, that that would probably be my favorite. I had to say it. I had to say it. it I think you guys wanted me to make a T-shirt like that, and then I would have been fired by uh, was it Doctor Green, whoever the president yeah. was at <laughs> yeah. Nebraska. <laughs> and we were like, "Come on, Kev, make us some T-shirts. We got to walk around with these." <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cav stories are always the best, man. I've heard about it um, all across the coaching ranks, and it's great to have you guys on here. Um, appreciate the time. Excited to see you guys play this coming fall. Hope you get a little bit of a vacation after recruiting and get a little bit of a break to get things cranked up. But uh, you'll have some guys definitely watching those uh, those five guys up front for the Ducks doing that thing. And uh, I can't wait to see them uh, running sideline to sideline and throwing chest bumps and high fives to a leak uh, down there on the sideline. Cav, are you on the field or are you up in the, in the box? I think I'm going to be in the box and I can't I can't get off the ground, so I can't chest bump anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it, guys. Hey, thank you so much for spending the time getting on board. And, uh, Gerald, appreciate the insight. And we'll have to get those T-shirts made up for Cavs quote. But also, we'll get some five is one coming up your way, Alik and Cav. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys. With that being said, thank you all. Yep. With that being said, it was Dawson Heine and Gerald. And with that being said, I guess I'll wrap it up. There it is, baby. (laughs) This is a whole lot of fun. See you guys. See ya.